Thanks for that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast. Pass us. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Eric Dim, your most complained cop. This is New York's finest retired unfiltered podcast. This is the 265 Police Live Series. Along with me is John McCarry, retired lieutenant, NYPD, unvaccinated. Of course, the founder and the co-host of the podcast. How you doing, my brother? Very good, my friend. Very good. Out here in sunny Florida, uh, preparing for my return to New York City in October, baby. Well, you can see my background. I'm in Bangkok, having a great time. This place is outstanding. I've been taking bikes everywhere. It's This place is great. Motorbikes. Everywhere there's, there's cab stands and you can just jump on a a moped with somebody they drive around it's it's awesome you know they say america's the land of the free but i tell you what i feel really free here it's a great time everyone should visit bangkok and if you're here look me up absolutely so we wanted to talk about we you know we talked about it a little bit last episode but we wanted to do an analysis of the union square riot uh uh twitch social media influencer i don't even know what twitch is but apparently it's it's a social media platform uh kai sinat on August 4th was doing a giveaway in Union Square, in Union Square Park in New York City in the middle of the day. On a busy Friday, anybody that's familiar with New York City on a Friday, I mean, it's bustling. People are getting out of work early, who's going out for drinks, who's preparing for the weekend, who's coming into the city for dinner and drinks and shows and whatnot. So busy time, full out riot sparks. Eric, what do you think, because we didn't hear one thing from the police department, what do you think sparked the riot? Well, first of all, there's already a complete disdain for the police department as we as we speak. There's no respect. There's no authority. The police department has lost their image, their aura completely. There's no fear of the police department. There is some correlation with fear and respect, right? We shouldn't be complete warmongers, but there has to be some some edge of fear. There is correlation with respect and discipline. I think we have a large group that was not addressed immediately as it should. That's the historic way the police department, especially why the NYPD is so iconic, why people follow the NYPD along, along, uh, all over the world, is because the NYPD, and you and I are on the job, we're the best at moving people and moving things immediately, taking action swiftly. And they let this thing fester and grow because they don't want to engage the youth because they wanted to handle this thing delicately it's a huge mistake so i mean i'm deducting from what you're saying that basically they allowed numerous youth to gather which is an unsafe dangerous time right because anything could spark right somebody throws something uh, a fist fight in the crowd maybe somebody wanted to get at that playstation they start fighting over it and there's already the sense of lawlessness and it's just mob mentality I'm correct with saying that? Like, that's to sum it up? Well, absolutely. Look, John, you and I are retired at this point, right? So there's only so much access we have to the police department. We don't have access to evidence, evidence-based information as we did before. But what we still have is our observation skills. We talk about that all the time. So people have told us, hey, you're in time. Go enjoy yourselves. Forget about it. But one thing is true, and anyone that's retired knows, they'll never forget, you'll never lose your observation skills. It might peril a little bit, but your observation skills, for the most part, especially if you're out there being a cop, are still there. And so the observation that I'm making at this point, I see a large mob completely unruly, out of hand, and I see a lack of police response. So I think we just lost Eric, but I mean, I, I can. I We just lost I'm, you for a second. I'm on right now. You got me? Yeah, I got your back up. Finish what you were saying. Oh, uh, sure. All right, sorry about that. But what we could see on the video is an unruly, angry mob, not a protest, a complete riot, and there's no police presence, zero presence, which is a problem. And I heard Chief Madry speak at the press conference and also an interview on Fox, 
And what he said is very uh, telltale to me, is that they're aware that they were used and they wanted to handle the situation in a delicate manner. That's so problematic. A delicate manner to handle youths who are responsible for the majority of crime in New York City, right? Youths, I mean, um, what do they say? The male criminal mind is aged like 14 to 25. That's when most males partake in criminal activity. So I do hear what he's saying. You don't want to go in and cause a riot. You don't want to make a riot worse. You don't want to go in and put hands on children or youth and 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 spark physical confrontations if you don't have to. Um, but I don't believe that that's an honest message when kids are throwing things at your head, basically assault to when everybody Everybody in New York City that was around at that time, even if they were in the buildings, are in fear for their safety. They cause panic and alarm to everybody. So I don't believe you really had the opportunity to handle that with kid gloves. What does that look like? Like, well, could we get a training manual or platform on how you handle a full-scale riot while people are throwing things, assaulting people, uh, the, destroying Ubers, destroying regular people's cars, beating people up in the street for no reason. What does that training manual look like to handle youth with kid gloves while that's occurring? Well, let me reflect on Chief Madry's press conference and his interview. Again, where he talks about handling this in a delicate manner. Now, that could be said in a certain form if this was a planned event. So any cop watching this right now, you know if you're NYPD or any law enforcement agency throughout the country, I don't know what your policies are other, you know, outside the NYPD, but I'm sure they're pretty similar to what the NYPD has. And the NYPD has always been pretty, tact, uh, pretty addressing tactics when it comes to planned events and unplanned, right? So in a planned event, you could say that we'll handle this delicately. We'll already have barriers set up. We'll already have cars not parked in that area. So the, those cars are, will not be an issue to, for property destruction. We'll already have a police presence. We'll have emergency services on rooftops, making sure that there's no sniper fire of such. We'll have aviation on standby. That's a planned event. That's something that can be handled delicately or whatever this kick loves because you're prepared. And one thing I learned in the Marine Corps is prior planning prevents piss poor performance. But this was an unplanned event. The police department apparently failed with their intelligence, or if they didn't fail with the intelligence, they didn't have the correct response because the way the police department is moving with this non-engagement mentality. So for an unplanned event where the crowd is already out of control, unruly, a mob, cars are getting destroyed, and citizens are getting hurt, and police officers are being attacked, Stop. This is not the point that we could be delicate. You need to put your foot down and take action. That's the escalation. Take action immediately. Bring it to a quell so that you could save lives. We're lucky we don't have a dead cop or a dead citizen. The only reason we don't is pure luck. Absolutely. Again, I'll say it again. I believe it's a major fail on the Intel operations desk. I believe it's a major fail. Do I blame them totally? No. I mean, the kid could not be on the radar as somebody, as, as an influencer. I don't believe that this would happen again. I, I would hope not, that, that they wouldn't miss such a large-scale event again. I don't believe that would be the case going forward. I believe that they will shift to look more towards social media influencers instead of looking at social media accounts who are have differentiating opinions from the mayor, they should be looking at these social media influencers who have the potential to draw large crowds. So I think that's something they could improve on. However, they took no onus on that. They took no they took no blame on that and they shifted the blame to the parents. What'd you think about Jeffrey Madry, Chief of Department, NYPD Jeffrey Madry's statement that this is on the parents? And by the way, New York City Mayor Eric Adams reiterated that statement. Well I think that statement is actually completely off color. I think it, it has no correlation to this actual incident. Should parents be responsible and accountable for their children? Yes. But when they're at an event of this magnitude and it's out of control, 
We're beyond parenting. Now the police have to take action. This is something that should have taken place at the home already. Not at Union Square, where we're already having an active riot. Are we going to depend on the parents? And that's why I say this ideology of non-engagement is going to get cops killed. And you know what I can say at this point? Shame on Chief Madry and the rest of those white shirts there. They look ridiculous. And I honestly think in their ideology of this pandering to the Civilian Complaint Review Board, by them being the ones hands-on and retracting the cops from the scene, is actually putting lives at risk. There's a thing called passing the guard. But what does that mean? As you get older and upper on the hierarchy, you're supposed to pass the guard to the frontline supervisors for them to have their boots on the ground. This is a young man's job. And with these old men in the middle of the crown being attacked, they put more lives at risk because the cops have to go in there to get them. This is absolutely a mistake. And they need to pass the guard. This is a young man's job. It's not for them to be in the middle. They need to lead. And then they're just, they're not at that point anymore. These are older men. They're, you know, they're nearing 62 years old. And some of them have, you know, Chief Madry has like a bum knee or a bum, bum leg. You be in that situation puts everyone else at risk. So they have to come get you. No, I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I also, I commend them for being there after the mistake happened, right? Because they go out to assess the scene. Right. They go out to assess the scene and then they get attacked. Right. So I, I commend them for 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 being out there. I do like they at least they were out there. Right. I don't think I agree with you that they shouldn't have been. They got caught off guard. And that was the major fail, which led them to be there and be the source where, yes, the entire city had to come to save them. You're 100 percent right at that point. But but I do agree with you that if, as we've seen particularly during the George Ford riots uh, till now. And I believe we're going to continue to see this moving forward. You see blue shirts being hands off. And by blue shirts, I mean cops and sergeants and, and some white shirts, lieutenants. You see them standing back. And what you see when it's time to make arrests is you see three-star chiefs and two-star chiefs and one-star chiefs moving in. And that, I agree with you, is a major fail. It gives the wrong presence that you don't have to worry about the rank and file of the police department when before it was the exact opposite. You know, me and you as young cops, blue shirts, young sergeants, young lieutenants, I mean, the bosses, and I'm, I'm just going to say it, in, in that scenario, when it's time to go to work, the bosses are there to hold us back to say, all right, guys, all right, all right, we got this under control. We got this under control. All right, move in, get call him. And they're there to lead us because we are the younger, stronger, healthier people and 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 we're the more immature that need the leadership from them to to make sure that right protect us from protect us from ccrb from uh doing anything that could violate the law because again it is a dangerous volatile situation where force is going to be deployed and force any type could be deadly so this poses a great question then and this is my question since they want the cops the sergeants the lieutenants hands off, and to have three-star chiefs, two-star chiefs, one-star chiefs actually being the ones hands-on. Here's my question. Does that mean that they're immune from civilian complaints? Does that mean that those ranks are immune from civil liability? Because that's what they're saying. They're saying that we'll take action because we're they're immune from it. And if that's the case, why? Well, I, but I definitely agree with that. I, I believe that 100%. I think that they are, there is something with CCRB, and I believe that that's their way of protecting the rank and file and the people that work for them, is I'll do it. I'll take the onus on myself. Um, and I also, you know, the, the other thing with your statement to back that up again is everyone in the NYPD supposedly loves body cameras. Every chief in the NYPD loves body cameras, but I didn't see one of them wearing it. I didn't see one of them wearing the body camera. And that's a problem for me in leadership. Again, it's the same thing like I talk about with the vaccine. When I, when, you know, I, I beat up Shepard a little bit yesterday on social media. I don't even know the guy. You know, I do agree nepotism has always existed. Not to this level, not to this magnitude, not where it's so been so blatant and in your face. And not to the point where we've been discriminatory towards certain genders and, and skin tones. You know, so I, I am. But I, the one thing I said is I said, I just need to know if he's vaccinated. 
right? Because the, the majority of the upper echelon of the rank and uh, the upper upper echelon of the NYPD is not vaccinated, yet they fired and forced cops to leave this job for making the same decision that they did. And that's not leadership. And it's the same. It correlates in everything because it correlates to the body camera. I, I only believe that I was effective as a supervisor and you were effective as a supervisor because everything we told our men and women that worked with us and for us is things that not only have we had done, is things that we are also still willing to do. And that's how that's actually a leader. Not telling someone to do something that you've never done or you will not do, you're a manager. 100%, John. I'm so glad you said that. You and I say that all the time. And, 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 and I live by that. And I know you do too. And, and I'll, I'll never change. You know what? The other lieutenants that were working with me, you know what? God bless their soul. Most of them are good guys. But they would tell me behind closed doors, dude, what are you doing? Like, just sit back and chill. Your cops are out there. Let them do the job. And I said, and they said, what are you, crazy? You know, you're going to get held up for promotion. You know, your CCRBs are already crawling up there. I said, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I can't do that. I can't live that way. I can't send my guys to the fire and not be out there with them. That God forbid something happens. I need to stand up with them and protect them. That's what leaders do. You protect and you mentor your people. You train them. I can't sit back into the office and while my guys are out there, put their lives on the line and not just actually physically putting their lives emotionally, but financially and putting themselves being exposed. I said to myself, I had to be out there. And I to, to this day, even being coined as the most complained cop, and all the civil liability that I had to face and all the stress I had with eight sets of charges. I mean, sometimes I thought I was going to get a heart attack. I still don't regret it because I couldn't live with myself. So I know when I lay down at night and I look up at the ceiling, I can live with myself. I don't know how these guys do. They love the body camera, though, just not when they have to wear it. You know, just not they, they, they were all for the vaccine. They were all for the vaccine mandate. Just not when they have to take it. Just not when their kids have to take it. Just not when the people who are closest to them have to take it. But everybody else in the rank and file, you know, I mean, I, I'm not seeing leadership. I'm seeing management. So I'm going to keep beating people up. I know Eric is, too. I, I until I see some type of leadership, I'm good. That's what I'm doing now. Right. We're in retirement now. We were both forced into retirement. You took two young guys that before their time. Told them, told us both we were nothing. Told Sal Greco he was nothing. Okay, so now, now answer the questions that we have because now we're the public. Now you work for us. We went from we're working for you to now you work for us. And and, and another thing that I've noticed, and you know we're very observant, me and Eric. And and one thing that we've noticed is Ed Caban, the first Hispanic male police commissioner in the NYPD, historic appointment. Um, we did not see him out on, at the riot that day. And that is totally fine. He could have had another appointment. He could have had personal issues. I don't expect because you're the police commissioner, you could be everywhere in three hours. That's impossible. I don't think anybody in the world could have that onus. I mean, I, I do believe the police commissioner is one of the hardest jobs. Being the NYPD police commissioner is one of the hardest jobs in the world. It's, it, it, it mirrors being the United States president on a smaller scale. Um, but then when it's time to answer up and, and recap the situation, I haven't heard one thing from him. Where is Eddie? Where is he? Where's Ed Caban? I mean, this, is, this was an opportunity to really be pressure tested and show the world that, yes, this was a historic appointment as the police commissioner who's Hispanic. And, it, and this was an opportunity to say, hey, listen, it's not just image. I'm the right guy for the job. We haven't heard a word in response to this riot. We haven't heard him give any words of wisdom to bring this city to a quell, to stand up for the men and women, the NYPD, and say, I got your back, and say that my men and women have a right to defend themselves despite the fact that they are youths and they have to be handled delicately. You know what? The police lives matter, too. Where are you, Eddie? Speak up now. I know where you are. Sal Greco knows where you are. At Cone Sofritos in the Bronx. That's where you are. Because you sure as hell are not in Union Square. Again, he wasn't in Union Square, but he wasn't there for the media to explain what happened either in the, day, in the days. Right? This was August 4th. Today yep. is August 8th. 
This happened on August 4th. Today is August 8th. He hasn't said a word. Uh, Jeffrey Madry's been doing the, the media tour. Uh, but he has been in work. And is that Eric Adams keeping him back? He doesn't want him speaking. Is that the reason why it waited so long to announce the police commissioner? Does he have confidence in Ed Caban and faith for him to actually be able to handle the media pressure and explain to the public exactly what transpired that day and why New York City is a safe city? I don't believe that Eric Adams has faith in Ed Caban. And I believe that, again, this shows it. Um, I don't believe that Ed Caban's hiding. I believe that he was told. So that's where I think Eddie is. I can't agree with you more. John, it's a fantastic statement. Every time there's a volatile incident, especially a riot, especially the one of magnitude as such, an unplanned event, we would hear from the police commissioner from the NYPD, and this time we didn't hear him. And again, as you said, he's at work, and we know that we have firsthand knowledge that he's been at work, but he hasn't spoken out. So the only, the only conclusion to that is that he's been silenced. And if you are hiding, then you're not the man for the job. And if you are silenced, you're not the man for the job either. Because how could you stay there and remain silent knowing that you've been appointed as the police commissioner, the 46th police commissioner, the NYPD, and you're not speaking out? How can you continue with that job? One thing we know now, Key Chan Sewell wouldn't stand back. She wouldn't be silenced. She would resign. So you know what? We're giving you an opportunity to, to come up and speak out now. It's four days later. That's a long time in the police world. And if you don't speak out right now, it speaks volumes. So we have a major fail in the police department, which causes an event that we've never seen in New York City history. Large-scale riot, uh, compromised of youth in the middle of the day in New York City for absolutely no reason. So we have a major fail that happens um, based upon all of the progressive policy the progressive legislation, a diminished police department, an emasculated police department, it grows that the crowd even larger. And we see not only property damage, but we see physical assaults and thankfully nothing was killed. We've seen over 60 arrests. And one of the people who was arrested was Kai Sinat. Um, he was charged with inciting a riot. Right. He was charged with inciting a riot and I believe a few other charges surrounding not getting permitting and, and his uh, media company is now facing uh, civil liability as well. Do you believe what do you believe justice is here? What do you believe is the is the is the is the best way to justice and the best way to ensure public safety and keep this from happening again? Well, I can tell you this. Right. We spoke about this offline and I said. I don't see the validation for his arrest. I don't see, I don't think that his arrest changes anything. I don't think he should have been arrested to begin with. I don't think it's going to go anywhere with the district attorney's office, unless there's some information that has not been, not been provided to the public, something that he put out on social media or something that he did at union square to incite the riot. Other than that, the only information that we have is that he was, making an appearance, and that he was going to offer free PlayStations. So I, I don't think that arrest quells anything. What I do think will bring this to a quell is that the police commissioner, who we just spoke about, needs to come, come out on TV, and he needs to speak out and say that his police officers, his law enforcement agency, will not stand for this. And if this happens again, they will take a swift, immediate action. But we're not hearing that. That's Communication is key. An opposition meets opportunity, and the police department needs to speak out, and they need to have more communication. And I think Mayor Adams is keeping everyone silenced. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think Kai Sinat should have got arrested. I don't think that he's criminal enemy number one, and I don't think that he should face severe punishment for it. But I do think that his media company should face civil penalty. And I think there should be some community service on his part. You know, at least we hold some type of accountability 
for the person who sparked the whole thing. I don't think that it was his intention based upon what I've seen. I don't believe that it was his intention to have people wild out in New York City, unless, again, like you said, unless there's information that we don't have. Um, but as of right now, I don't see that. I do think he should be held accountable for having such a, an event. It's basically like holding a concert in the middle of New York City and not telling anybody. So I, I, do, I do agree with his arrest. But the people that I believe that deserve the actual punishment are the people that were assaulting people and destroying property and throwing objects at police officers. And those are the people that I think should be held to severe accountability. Those are the people that should face severe consequences. Do you believe that any of the people that assaulted people that day, that threw bricks and bottles out of people that day, and that destroyed property of vehicles and businesses and other and other things in New York City, construction sites like we've seen, the completely destroyed. Do you believe any of those people will be held accountable for any of that? Zero accountability, zero responsibility. We already know that anyone on that day received a desk appearance ticket, right? All of our cops and law enforcement communities are aware of what a desk appearance ticket. Anyone watching this podcast, if you're not familiar with law enforcement, if you haven't, if you haven't been through the system or know anything about criminal justice, a desk appearance ticket means you were arrested. You did not go to court to see the judge. You didn't, ha you didn't sit in a cell at the courthouse. You sat in a cell in the precinct. Your paperwork was processed. And you received a ticket to respond to court at a later date. So usually, you know, back in the day, that was a desk appearance ticket was provided for people almost as a, a, as a privilege. Maybe someone had no history or some type of accommodation. But now everyone gets a desk appearance ticket. I, I, I understand what you're saying about Kai Sinat. I don't think that they thought that this would happen to any magnitude. Union Square is known to have it to, be, to have congregations on a daily basis. It's, it's that type of place. People do all kinds of events there. I, I don't think that they, I don't think this media company wants any liability. You know, if there is any civil liability going forward, I can see that. I, I just don't think an arrest, uh, correlates with this unless that's again that's what i said that's why i say this age this administration claims to want transparency but where is the transparency one thing we know is anytime there's a police event an incident a protest a riot especially a riot john you know this there's always cause and effect so what was the cause and effect that ignited this riot and we haven't heard it and we know they already have the answer why do you think that we haven't heard What's the cause and effect of this riot? Again, because they're covering up the fact that this was a huge, major fail on on the part of the Intel desk and on the part. And, and I don't and I don't just hold the Intel desk accountable. I hold the leadership because God only knows what the people who were supposed to man that Intel desk that day were actually doing. Were they on patrol that day? Were they out at, a, at a, doing a different detail? Were they were they not where they were supposed to be? Because, I mean, that's what we're going to see. And we're going to continue to see more stuff like that. Breakdown of, of critical units and critical information as we continue to do more with less and less and less and less. Right? It was do more with less 10 years ago. Now it's just do more with less and less and less and less. And it's just consistently. And all of the, these critical units are understaffed. Right. Remember, Eric Adams' big push was he was going to get everybody back on the street. And he's done that. He's got guys that are crucial in training, guys that are crucial in, in daily operations of the police department, standing footposts, standing down on train platforms. Now, I'm not saying that that means you're less of a cop. And I'm not saying that by you doing that, that is a menial task. That is the most important task the NYPD has. But the only reason that you're doing that and not doing your critical mission that's also critical to the, the operations of the NYPD is because of the systemic failure in the New York City mayoral administration by allowing thousands and thousands of police officers to now be operating in other police departments around the country, living in different states across the country and doing other things that they would have never done where they would still be working in New York City. And it's a major fail on the part of Mayor Eric Adams and on the part of the New York City Police uh, Department, including Key Chan Sewell's part when she was the police commissioner. I think we can only draw two conclusions from this, right? So if we look at this on one aspect, it's either a complete failure on our intelligence portion, which can happen. I, I just find it so hard to believe that this happened. In almost 20 years' experience in the police department, I've never witnessed a police department miss a planned or unplanned event. 
If anything, not only do we police a detail, we tend to over-police. And that doesn't mean, you know, right away if I say over-police, these leftists are going to go crazy and like, oh, God, they, they're all aggressive. What I mean by over-police is that we usually have more men and women in uniform needed for security. So we, we, we have more manpower. We always have more. And if, you know, as we see that a detail is the, as many cops are not needed, we'll tail them off and send police officers to different locations. So that's exactly what I mean by it. But we have neighborhood safety team officers who are the quasi-anti-crime team. They're constantly monitoring social media. We have the field intelligence officers on the precinct level monitoring social media. We have a unit called ASIC. We have a unit at One Police Plaza monitoring social media. The detective squads also are monitoring social media in regards to cases. I just find it so hard to believe that this kind of information was missed. Uh, if it was, it's a huge problem, which would mean that the, so many units on this job are getting cut because it's so diminished that, that they're not looking at the stuff in the matter when you and I were there and only a year ago. And the other conclusion that we could draw to this is that the police department was aware that there would be a gathering, but wanted the least amount of engagement from the police officers because of this pandering and also because Chief Madry said that they're youths and they have to be delicate in hopes that an incident would not happen and they would just go home and just go home. So those are the two conclusions we can draw from it. What are your thoughts on that? I, again, I, I do believe they missed it. I believe that it was a major intel fail. And I believe that the way that they're portraying their statements in the media, Jeffrey Madry um, saying, you know, trying to put the onus on parents. Oh, you should know where your kids are at all times. I mean, it's the middle of the day on a Friday. More than likely their parents were at work. Um, it's your job to make sure that the city's safe. It's your job to make sure that these large gatherings aren't there. Once it happened, yes, I agree. <laughs> To call your kid what the hell's going on because that's the only way you're going to know right your 17 year old kid isn't going to tell you everything they're doing and what they're doing but now you're like oh shit my kid's in the city absolutely give pick up the phone and and call and get your kid and say get home right now you know this is unacceptable you better not be there if i see you on tv i'm turning you in myself i agree with him at that point but at that point it's already too late because the onus to to to, to know about this event and to and to Pre and, and to make sure that this didn't happen was on the NYPD. It was not on the parents. Once it happened, yes, it was on the parents. And that's why I think that it really was a major fail. And that's why I think that Eric Adams is holding back Ed Caban from speaking because he trusts Jeffrey Madry more with a, able to be able to schmooze the media and to paint a different picture for the news media. I can't agree with you more. I think that Chief Madry is a spokesperson. Chief Madry happens to be a, a likable guy. Uh, he does well with the media. He does well with the community uh, and the kids. He's uh, he's pretty photogenic. And the community likes him. He likes the community. But I I have to say that I think when I've heard his, I, I feel that his leadership was poor. It was weak in, in this situation. And I think maybe it's possibly because he's held back because the structure held by Mayor Eric Adams. And I heard him given his press conference and I heard him speak at Fox. And I said, you know what? He's actually more intelligent than I thought. And he's completely aware that he's spewing out hogwash out of his mouth to the public. I could see it in his eyes and, and, and I could feel it. I could feel the whole aura that he knows the information that he's providing. It just completely contradicts what's happening. I mean, at one hand, he's saying that this is an has to be handled as a delicate matter because they use. But he also says he's on the phone with his brother who witnessed him get attacked, an object thrown at his head, and they've met with resistance. But they had to handle this with restraint. And the cops were professional and it's the best police department in the world. When are we going to put our foot down? And I'm confident if they do not put their feet down now and take a stand, and it has to come from the police commissioner not the chief of department, this will happen again, and this will be one of many. And unfortunately, we'll be doing a podcast about, God forbid, shame on you if this happens, a dead cop. I mean, I, I don't think that we have an answer for how to stop this again. I mean, I do think that they will, like I said, I think 
that Intel failure will never happen again. And they will staff that desk properly the next time um, for the next six months until they forget about it again. And then, you know, something else comes, all outcomes. Well said, well said. You know, because that's how that's how the police department is. And it's always been like that. Even even it's just worse now. It's just worse now. You know, so I do think I don't think that they'll miss this fact and it'll be staffed properly. But I do think that the real true path to ensuring that this things like this do not happen and to deter that things like this do not happen is by holding the youth that acted violently and tumultuously accountable for their actions. And I don't, and that falls on DA Alvin Bragg, who we see is mayor Eric Adams friend, right? His vision for criminal, for his criminal, his vision for criminal justice is the same as, as Eric Adams, right? That's what he said. Me and Alvin Bragg are one and the same, right? And we've seen our new deputy commissioner of public information thanking Alvin Bragg for his partnership. So this administration is unwilling to hold the Manhattan DA accountable who needs to hold these youth accountable for their actions, which will deter further action for them. But in my, my belief is that that will not be the case. These cases will all be dropped going down the road. They will be put out to violations or ACDs. Well, a violation is basically a, a non-incident on your record. And then ACD is don't get in trouble again for six months. And that comes off your record. I believe they will all be pled out to that regardless of the level of their crime. And that will only embolden youth even further. Oh, what happened when I got arrested? I spent an hour in jail. I was let go. I was let go. I filed a complaint on the cop. And now I might even get money because I got arrested. That's going to lead to more incidents of this. And I, and I, I believe that it's, it's on the police department, and particularly on the, the police commissioner and on New York City mayor to use their pulpits and ensure that Alvin Bragg does his job. Yeah, again, I, I want to reflect on watching these videos of this crowd, this riot. I mean, it just looked insane. Total pandemonium, total chaos. Again, I want to say that we are lucky that we don't have a dead citizen or a dead cop. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's nothing short of a miracle that no one got trampled and lost their life. And the cops, especially the chiefs, the chiefs, those three star chiefs in white shirts. I mean, they were swarmed by a crowd. I think they should kiss their, I mean, they should kiss the stars right now. And, 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 and they are so lucky they could have been attacked they could have been stripped of their uniforms. They could have been killed. Listen, we could say they're youths, 14 years old, but you're a 62-year-old man. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm, a tra I, I, I'm a trained martial artist. I train every day. I take pride into it. I can't fight 20 14-year-olds. How is a 62-year-old man going to fight 20 14-year-olds? They are so lucky to be alive that they were swarmed in that, and they should say this would never happen again. They could have taken their clothes off, Remove the uniforms, taking their guns. This could have been far disastrous, more disastrous than it was. We're just lucky. We're lucky that most of these kids turned out to be good kids. There were some kids in there that were terrible. They had, they had evil means. I mean, they were destroying property. But most of them were just kids. And thank God for that. So what do you think about there was an incident floating around? Uh, every lefty known to man sent, sent it to me. It was... Uh... An inspector, I believe it was a white shirt and a cop. And what you see is kids looking like they're about to hijack a taxi cab. Um, and at the same time, you see as the cops walk up, as the white shirt and the blue shirt walk up, you see kids smashing the back window of this taxi cab. And then you see the white shirt grab one of the kids, take the kid, bring him physically fast and push him into the back of the car as he's physically force him into the back of the car. What happens is the kid's head hits the, the back windshield of, of the car and it shatters. The windshield shatters. What do you think about that incident? I'm sure I'm, I'm sure by uh, my haters out there and, and all these leftist anti-police advocates, they love to post my 58 constantly and comment about my demeanor and the way that I did police work. But I don't care what they say because they have zero police experience and they don't understand. They've never been in a confrontational situation. They've never had to police or defend themselves. Lucky for them, the police defended them and they still do. I have absolutely zero issue with that. 
They're taking action. It is a fight. Let's make no mistake about it. People don't understand. When you're cuffing someone and you place them under arrest in the middle of a riot, a violent, violent, volatile situation, it's incidental when you're involved in a physical confrontation. I don't think he had any intentions to slam his head into the window and break that window. His intentions were to grab him and get him in cuffs immediately. And it's, 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 it's just natural when you're involved in a fight, trained or untrained, to put someone in a position where there is a fulcrum. And that would be the car. What I mean by that is it's something to get yourself into a, a position, a stance, where you could put that person in cuffs. And by getting him to the car, that's a fulcrum. That's a, a, a position where he could put someone in handcuffs or a wall. Or something of, or uh, into another group of other law enforcement officers, and that's what people don't understand. To place someone in handcuffs when they're not against something—a fulcrum, if people know what that means—it's very difficult, and they would have found themselves in a in a in a situation where they may have to fight. So I think that was using a minimum amount of force, and then alleviated having to throw fists by putting him against the car. Yeah, I I, I think that. The only reason that window shattered is because those kids cracked it right before he got there. So when he when he put the youth up against the car to not only gain control of the youth so that he'd be able to grab his arms and put handcuffs in him, he also was using it as a blocker too, right? As 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 a defensive position. He puts him up against it forcefully, and which he should have. This is a violent situation. And like me and Eric talked about a million times, you want to quell it as quick as possible, get that kid in handcuffs. And now you have a per you have a prisoner in the middle of a riot. You need to get them out of there because you don't want to lose them. Because if you do, what happens? You get suspended. You get a lost prisoner. 30 days in a year at least, if not worse. God only knows what happened. So I don't believe that he pushed his head into the windshield to just crack it. That window was already cracked, what his friends were doing. I think they were trying to rob that taxi cab because you see the one kid jump out of it and go running. They don't catch him. And uh, But unfortunately, I think CCRB is going to have a field day with him. I think I think it's it's going to be a big problem, and I think they I think those two, uh, particularly the white shirt, I think that they will suffer more consequences than anybody for anything that transpired that day. Again, that's why the police commissioner Ed Caban has to come out and publicly speak and say that his cops, his chiefs. Any member of the service in uniform that is underneath his tutelage has the right to defend themselves. And that means physically and also that he will take action and fight for them against the Civilian Complaint Review Board and that he will not sign off for any dis discipline. He should refer to that video immediately and say this is a violent, violent situation. This is an all-out riot and I'm, I'm putting CCRB on notice. And letting them know that if there's any substantiations that emanate from this particular incident, I will decline to sign any discipline in regards to it. And I will overturn any discipline. That's what he needs to say. He needs to take charge, take control, and put his stamp on it. But we haven't heard a word from him. Of course not. We're not going to because this is, this is, you know, people still make the argument that Eric Adams is almost as bad as Bill de Blasio. Eric Adams is worse than Bill de Blasio. And Bill de Blasio allowed CCRB to destroy cops' lives and careers, and they're still happening today from the 2020 riots, which were way more violent and caused way more destruction than this than this pop-up riot, right? That went on for days. And Bill de Blasio allowed it, but who, who waved the white flag on those lawsuits? Eric Adams did. Eric Adams is way worse than Bill de Blasio ever was. They are sending you guys out to the wolves. They know it. They don't care. There's legislation coming down the pipe that everybody's talking about, all the lefties are talking about, that if you get found to engage in a pursuit that violates the, the guidelines, you are automatic termination. Automatic, right? And guess what? Every, every, I think there was one, I think there was one that I seen on the news that I, you could, I, I would feel comfortable trying to justify that in front of everybody and sitting on a jury. The rest of these fake plates, um, tried to pull someone over for whatever reason and they took off on you and you chased them, that goes right against department guidelines. You, and you will not see 
Chief Shell coming to your bat. You will not see Chief Jeffrey Madry coming to bat. You will not see anyone doing a media tour for you. Nobody will know your name. You will be shielded and discarded. Everyone on the job will put their blinders on and be like, there must be more to the story. It's not going to happen to me. There must be more to the story. And you'll be sitting here with me, Eric, Sal, and the, and the thousands of other cops that were sent. Ah, you know, you're going to lose a few every year. What are you going to do? You know, we got we to do what we got to do. It's so sad, but it's unfortunate. You and I could repeat this on every podcast. We could put this on social media, and those cops are not listening to us. They're saying, ah, what do those guys know? We know better. It won't happen to us until, unfortunately, they're standing in front of an indictment, and they're calling. Who are they calling? New York's finest retirement filter podcast. Why do I know that? Because John and I Fennin calls every day. We're getting calls from guys that are getting screwed by the Civilian Complaint Review Board. Their lives are upside down right now because they've been indicted for a charge for an arrest they've partaken. And they're getting zero guidance from the unions. They're getting zero help from the job. And the only ones that have been helping them right now is myself and John in retirement. So it's unfortunate so for all those people out there right now who say we have nothing to do in retirement and we're bored and we're just ranting, if that's what you think what you're doing, that we are doing, apparently you're not listening. And, and frankly, if that's what you think, I don't care, and neither does John. You know, turn it off and put on a different channel. Yeah, guys, uh, just please, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, whatever platform you're on, please give us a like and subscribe. You know, help us to keep the content coming at you. Me and Eric put a lot of time into this. It's just a click of the button. Uh, we just got monetized on YouTube, which is why I'm trying not to curse because I want to be advertiser friendly. It's going to be very hard. I don't know how long we're going to stay. We're going to work on our Rumble channel as well because I do have issues and worries, and so does Eric, about us being deplatformed. Because unfortunately, the things that we talk about, a lot of people don't want to hear, right? A lot of people don't want to hear the opinions of uh, New York City police officers. Eric said it best the other day. We're going to have a episode we're preparing. It'll come to you later in August um, where it'll be about issues that law enforcement nationwide faces in retirement, anxiety, mental health, you know, things that everyone like we're all looking for that dream of retirement. And when it comes, it's, it turns out really not to be a dream. It turns out a lot of people like, oh, wow, I wish I was still on the job. It kept me focused. And, uh, I, you know, because of the things that we deal with and the pace that we run at, particularly in New York City. So we met with a mental health professional the other day who's going to come on the podcast. We're going to be reviewing a book, help uh, law enforcement across the country in retirement. And one of the things Eric said was he said that cops are treated like children where it's expected that whether we're on the job or off the job, we be seen and not heard. Nobody wants to hear our opinions. Um, but the finest unfilters changing that. And that is the overall goal, right? My opinion, Eric's opinion, your opinion, an opposite opinion, they all matter. There's no reason that anyone's going to put baby in the corner and we should sit there and be silent and take it. Well said, brother. Absolutely. A absolutely. It's exactly that. The public has said for years that they want to humanize, they want to humanize cops. They want cops to engage more with the community, play basketball, kids, give them out ice cream. But take photos, take pictures. They want you seen but not heard. They don't want to hear your opinions or your perspective. Why? Because they don't want to hear the truth. So they just want you to just take photos, look good in the corner, but don't actually speak. So what you'll find is that most of the cops are far more intelligent than you've ever expected or you ever thought of right because unfortunately there's this kind of stigma that that cops are unintelligible uh cannot articulate a thought some are considered kind of neanderthals and meatheads and, and what you're finding with myself and john is that's quite the opposite uh, cops are actually in, completely intelligent they have a life lifelong years experience of dealing with the public dealing with people and dealing with reports and dealing with challenges and, and always every day is an adventure when you're in law enforcement and and, and that just makes you even wiser and more intelligent. And, and what we need now is more cops should need to speak out and speak about the atrocities that are going on in law enforcement. And, of course, on a positive note, talk about the good things as well. 
I mean, for the most part, yes. There's so much negativity surrounding law enforcement right now. But there is positive stuff also. So talk about those things. If you save someone's life or you help an old lady, talk about it. I'm not saying that, you know, be a glory hound, but talk about the good things that police officers do. Uh, and and making an arrest is a good thing, too. You could talk about that also. If you get a bad guy off the street that is a violent perpetrator that is just impeding on the public, talk about that. It, it, you know, it's interesting, John, before we go into uh, a word from our sponsors, I want you to talk about that because it, it's interesting. You just put out on social media that why is it that stopping black and brown men and women why is that a bad thing? Why is that stopping people that are potentially shooting someone? How does that harm communities? You put out a great post. Could you talk about that? ACLU is now again attacking the NYPD and, and Eric Adams. ACLU, I believe, is a defunct organization because, you know, what we've seen is during the vaccine mandates that disproportionately harmed black and brown communities, particularly people of less means in those communities, less socioeconomic means. It backed them into the corner. It treated them like peasants. You're going to do this or you're not going to have a job and you're not going to have the health benefits and you're not going to and, and you're going to be on your own to fend for yourself. And ACLU had no problem with it. Didn't say a word about it. But now ACLU is going after the police department because like me and Eric talked about on the last episode, stops of black and brown youth are up tremendously. And not only are they up tremendously, but we're also getting from the federal monitor that the majority of them are unconstitutional. You know, so we went after stop question and frisk when the majority still were black and brown. Unfortunately, those are the higher crime areas. So the, the, the majority of those stops were against black and brown youth. Um, but less than one percent of those stops were deemed unconstitutional. Now we're seeing the majority of our stops are being deemed unconstitutional. So ACLU puts out a tweet and basically says that. The NYPD is stopping black and brown kids and harming them. So I said, how is it harm to go after kids that are disproportionately affected by illegal firearms? They're disproportionately killed by illegal firearms. How is that harm for the NYPD to put in action to stop this from happening, to go after those illegal firearms? Please describe to me what is harm? I don't know what that means. And I, you know, I, I'm sure I'll never hear a word, even though it's got viewed thousands and thousands of times. And I'm sure they all looked at it because they would like to make a snarky response, but they're never going to um, because there is no answer because the answer is they don't know what leads to public safety. And that goes for most of the critics like Eric Adams of, of stop question and frisk and of broken windows theory, you know, and even Edwin Raymond, I, I spoke to him offline as well. And I will be reading his book. I did pre-order it. I suggest you guys pre-order it as well. An inconvenient cop. And he's a big critic of broken windows. And he's a big critic of stop question and frisk. He believes I, he believes that his people are being disproportionately harmed as well. I don't believe that. I believe that we're attacking crime. Eric does the same way. Um, and I don't believe that he, Eric Adams or any of the other people that are against broken windows and stop question and frisk actually have a plan to ensure public safety or to to provide public safety to black and brown youth other than that. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. If, if anything, I think that the cops are actually the least racist. The cops are out there day in and day out. They're doing their job in neighborhoods that they don't live in because they care about the people. And they work amongst each other in diverse, well, which was a diverse police department. It's not diverse anymore. It's becoming very singular when it comes to black and brown. But pretty much in, in, in addressing communities that are black and brown, why black and brown officers to stop shootings amongst themselves? It's a shame. The only outrage that we hear, the only racial undertone we hear is by black and brown people when they freak out that a police officer takes the uh, uh, took a, the life of, of a black or, or brown man because of a police related incident but there's no outrage where black and brown people killing each other every day these neighborhoods are just completely desecrated by crime they're killing each other the police officers that are trying to fight this and yet stopping people based on people versus the war which is a case that gives cops the right to do intrusive police work is harming communities 
I don't buy it, and 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 they don't buy it either. It's just pandering lies, and it's all about this woke movement, progressive mu- movement. But I, I really don't think they believe it themselves. And they can't, because if we show them the data, they have the data. I mean, these are intelligent people, right, that are politicians. They have the data. They can see it. Uh, so it, it's just a complete farce. Like I said, I just want to hear a proven policing strategy. Or even if you want to say a community-based strategy, I just want to hear one that even sounds effective, that even sounds coherent. I just want someone to come up with that model. If I had to sit there and explain broken windows for you, I could explain it in three seconds. Eric could explain it in three seconds. It's actually what Eric Adams has been deploying even under this progressive legislation and this blanket of, of progressive legislation and policy, even in the police department. He's the only thing that's been proven effective, even Kemper, right? Transit crime went down. How did he do that? Going after minor crimes, right? Um, but they'll never admit that that's what they're doing. But that's the only thing that we know. I'm an open-minded individual. I like to hear everybody's thoughts. So does Eric. To date, I've been asking this question since I came out, since I was forced out of the NYPD. Who can give me an actual strategy to prevent this from happening? Yes, I agree. We have to attack the roots of the problem and go after our youth and provide more opportunity. But what do we do about the youth that are lost now? How do we stop crime now? It has to be a multifaceted approach, and it's not. We're focusing on kids and the youth while we're losing we're losing tons of them in, into a wave. They are, we are losing them into the rivers of violence. Eric Adam hasn't dammed one river. The sea of violence is overflowing now. All those rivers are overflowing, and it's a big mess. And, and in order to bring it back, we need an actual plan. We haven't seen it. Uh, listen, I, I can't agree with more. Wholeheartedly, absolutely. I, I think that this idea that the police department is responsible to parent kids and, and to be their social workers, you know, it's it, it's not the police department's purview. Yes, it's nice for the police department to take part in some, some basketball games and some community events, but overall, the forte for the police department should be executing the law. It should be enforcing the law. It should be putting people in handcuffs. That's why we carry handcuffs. Put people in handcuffs and let the courts decide and interpret law and decide if someone should do jail time or if they should have some type of social services. But that's not the police department's job is not to go out there and parent kids. When someone's involved into an incident, the parenting, we're, we're far beyond that. It, we're, we've, we've, we're, we're, we reach beyond that. It's just too late. It's time for the law to correct the matter. That's why laws were, were invented. Laws are man-made, right, to create a norm society, to create a safe society. That's why we create laws. The police department is there to preserve life and enforce the law. We're not there to be parents. It's just a reality. It sounds great. It's hunky-dory. It's not real. It doesn't work. And guys, uh, if you look at, if you could see, if you're watching us, uh, Eric's wearing the finest unfiltered shirt on the back of it. It says, we are the experts. Uh, logos on our left sleeve. Uh, it's a very nicely made shirt. It's, uh, what, what type of shirt is it again? It's the... Uh, Next level. Next level shirts, you know, they're comfortable. They look good. You know, you get them in mediums. Uh, they didn't have this medium, but I do a medium, large, extra large. I think we went up to 2X, right? Um, so you can get right. those empires. The link will be on the bottom of this episode as well as in both of our social medias to get that. It's exclusively being sold at Myers. This is the first edition of the 265 Police Live edition. We're going to be coming with other with other stuff, hats, sweatshirts, stuff like that. Um, and that'll, that'll be coming at you. But the link will be at the bottom of this episode if you're interested in purchasing. We appreciate your support. Please visit us at our Rumble channel. We're trying to build that over there now. Same, giving you the content there in case we are deplatformed. We need a way to reach you people and so that we can keep the content coming at you. So please go to our Rumble channel, subscribe for account. There are some interesting conversations going on over there that that are not because it's an uncensored environment. So you could have conversations that you cannot have on on, on certain platforms. So I, I we are trying to build that brand as well because, again, we are worried about being deplatformed. Um, I just want to read a quote to you because I believe it coincides with we are the experts, right? I'm not saying me and Eric are the experts. I'm saying us 
as police officers, as firefighters, as teachers, as military, as whatever your profession is, you are the expert in your profession, not some 23-year-old kid who got elected. So this quote is when I think about people telling me and Eric to go enjoy our retirement and shut your mouth. This is just a quote that I think about, and, and it actually diminishes you as well when you're in that profession and you believe that your voice and your opinion shouldn't matter. I believe it diminishes you too. You're diminishing yourself. And this quote, the society that separates its scholars from its warriors will have its thinking done by cowards and its fighting done by fools. And I, I can't see a better thing that's summing up what, what the overall mission of New York City and the NYPD is today. I mean, here we have a leader, a police commissioner, who we haven't had say a word about the most pivotal event that took place under his watch in New York City um, so to date so far. Um, I mean, I think that's exactly what's going on. That's what we're being told. Your opinion is not welcomed in the NYPD right now. And we're working to change that. 100%, absolutely. Uh, again, you know, I've said it several times and John and I had a conversation the other day with a therapist who did a great analysis about surviving in retirement. And I, I really believe that. I've always said that, that cops are treated as children. You are to be seen and not heard. But the time has changed for that. And John and I, we put our feet to, feet to the ground, we put our feet to the fire, and we're starting that movement. And we want you to jump on board with us. It's, it's, it's time to stop being silenced. You need to speak out. Your voice is important. You're out there on the street. You're putting your lives on the line. You're making arrests. You're helping people every day in, day out. You may not even realize it, but you're saving lives every day. Every day you put that uniform, you are saving lives. If we didn't have the NYPD or any law enforcement agencies, especially the NYPD, if the NYPD was out of service for one hour, the city, the entire city would be completely gridlocked. Everything would shut down. Just car accidents alone, there would be total chaos and pandemonium. People would be killing each other. We need the police department. But you need to speak. Stop being scared to speak out. I get it when you're on the job. You have to protect yourself. But when you're in retirement or you vest out, speak out. Your voice is important. It, in order to make a serious change, we need strength in numbers. So it's time to hear your voice, and the time is now. Absolutely. The finest unfiltered is not mine and Eric's brand. It's all our brand. You know, that's why we're more than happy to share the 265 with certain accounts. We don't care. We want everybody's voice. We want everybody's opinion out there. You know, if you if you are harmed and wronged by this department, I want to do something on the on on the medical division. So we want to have some episodes about that. I want to interview some people that went through it, that are retired, that could speak about that what happened to them and how they believe it could be and and what could be done to fix it. So if any, that that if any of you meet that criteria, whether it's physically, mentally, whatever that may be, reach out to me and Eric. For those of you, we have a large waiting list of guests that want to come on. We will get to you. Um, it's just you know we're we're super busy. I run uh, several other businesses besides this. Eric's traveling around with a heavy focus on on his martial arts and honing his craft. Um, we will keep this content coming at you. We will start to bring it up more frequently as as the time progresses. We're going to go to a more daily show, but that's not that's going to take a little while to get there. Um, with your help, uh, we will be there, and we will make this a, a valid source of of opinionated news from retired cops, not just myself and Eric not just from our school of thought, not just from our brand of politics. Um, with that being said, I highly recommend that every single cop get life insurance, that every single cop has life insurance, that policy for your family, $250,000 is nothing. I have two life insurance policies. I think when I left, I think I gave away the, I think it was 350 with the LBI. I forget what it was, but I had a million dollar policy. I have a million dollar 30 year backing me up. And I have a whole life for 500000 So I have two other policies, God forbid I die, that my wife doesn't have to worry about paying my house off or, or anything else that I may owe. She, she won't be left stranded. At least she'll get some time to take off work, clear her head, um, take care of the bills, and go on her way. You're in a very dangerous profession. If you're young and healthy, get life insurance now. If you need anybody, 
please contact Laid Law Blue. Start to work on your retirement now. Start to work on your future now. The only reason that I was able to do what I do, everyone's like, oh, you have so much courage. You have so much strength. Yes, it was scary. Yes, I lost a lot of money, but I would have never been able to do that if I didn't do the things as a young cop, if I didn't drive the junk box cars and save all my money, if I didn't invest into real estate, if I didn't invest into stocks, there's no way that I would have been able to leave. I have two children. I'm paying close to, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm paying medical bills right now. I pay about $12,000 a year for the basic coverage. And I just paid another $3,000 on top of that. Um, so I, right now this year, I spent $15,000 so far just on my healthcare. Um, so, and you could do that too. There's no reason work on it. I'm going to play a, a thing from Laidlaw Blue. Give Henry and John a call. They're good guys. They don't want anything. I highly recommend you using them. It's specifically tailored. It's people that actually care about you. You're not going to call up and get sent a voicemail or anything like that. They have a beautiful office in Manhattan. Go give them a visit. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning, and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE. All right, everybody. 265 Police Live. If you have an opportunity, uh, before you go ahead, John, you know, click on the website. Get a shirt. It's a nice shirt. The quality's good. I wash it so many times. It doesn't crack. The printing's very good. It will stay in good shape. You won't be disappointed. You got some, John? No, nah, no, nah, nothing. I'm good. We, I got a million things, but we'll we'll be here till we'll be here till the sun comes up. So we'll. Uh... Uh we'll we'll be back at you we'll we'll give you a different episode 265 police live